Hey everybody, welcome back to Movies on Our Minds, guys, the podcast here in Atlanta to where we get to talk about movies. Today I have three commodities that are returning to join me. I'm going to start off with Chris Kelly on my right side. Hello, Chris. Hi. Hi uh, hello, everybody. How are you doing, Chris? I'm all right. Just um, ready to talk about Joker, finally. I know, right? On this very rainy day, it would fit the tone of Gotham City. Yes. <laughs> and I also have uh, Raphael joining me on, well, he's right in front of me. How are you doing, Raphael? I am phenomenal, as always. It's just, uh, you know, i got to get used to this mic and my neck, you know, bad posture. But other than that, you know, team uh, Todd Phillips. Mm-hmm. And I also have Maria on my left-hand side. Hi, guys. How are you doing, Maria? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, like Chris said, we are here to talk about Joker, finally. Um, it's interesting because at this table, I think we have two people that think differently of the two other people. So I'm going to start off with Chris, mm-hmm. man. What did you think of the film? I absolutely love this. Uh, I just want to say, first off, I really don't like comic book movies or superhero films in general. Um, I just find them really boring. But this movie was really well done. It really captured who um, the Joker is. I think that a good look at it was showing his um, you know, inside and his struggle and pain and everything. And I just thought it made a really good story. It's funny how you said that, yet you worked on the highest grossing film of all time. <laughs> isn't, isn't that ironic? You worked on Avatar? No. No, my friends actually did. But um, I, I worked on uh, Avengers Endgame and, uh, and oh, Infinity wow. War. Wait, they have surpassed Avatar? Yeah. Yes. In well, worldwide? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. By how much? Um, quite a few million I'm now. Like half a billion, maybe? You, 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 yes. It's, yeah, this, it's is, this is a If meme. it's by half a billion, I mean, it's over three billion. No, 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 no. It's like 2.78. Okay. Oh, if there was only a device that could settle this. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if only we had that technology, huh? mm-hmm. research this information. Exactly. But well, you I, know. I've just never been a big fan of comic book movies. And I think that um, kind of how Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix both said in an interview saying that they glorify violence to the point where you just don't even notice it. Like if I watched, uh, if you watch the beginning of, I think it's the first Avengers, maybe it's the second Avengers movie. And mm-hmm. it's just, you get like, 30 dudes getting smoked right off the bat and you don't even give a crap about any of them. Whereas with Joker, you got like what, like four or so people that die on screen and it's really impactful, especially when he, um, I forget the name of the guy, but they, they come over to check on him and he stabs him in the neck mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's like, Oh my God. Like it really is jarring. Cause you don't, you, they're not constantly being shoved in the face with death, 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 death. And that's a little bit of it. That, and I feel that they're just, they're just not my bag. Okay. What about you, Raphael? What did you think? Well, to be honest, I really related with this film, not in uh, the psychopath type way, <laughs> but uh, growing up, um, I've always had used my imagination of what a life I thought I should be living or experiences and stuff like that. So when I would see, um, I saw the scene where, you know, uh, Arthur went back or he imagined himself on set and even in the crowd and even. Uh, with how he spoke, it was actually uh, complimented. You know what I'm saying? Like all of that just kind of was like, okay, when I was a kid, I used to create these situations as well. And it felt so real. And those are a lot of my memories as a kid, you know? So I, I related to that movie in that aspect and also related to the movie. And I always wanted to make, or always wanted to know who Arthur Fleck was before he was Joker, you know? Um, 
so that, that so I wrote a, a day in the life of a serial killer, mm-hmm. you know, um, short films on it's not on YouTube yet, guys, but I will be having it up there soon. If you comment below, then you will um, be one of the first ones to know and subscribe to my guys' podcast. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's another reason why I really, really like this movie. Um, I related to it. And as a filmmaker, it's the type of film that I would want to watch. It's still the same type of, um, I would say, violence or if not less than an Avengers movie. It's just the way they shoot it. It makes you feel it a little bit more. So you don't need as much. So, you know, I think that is what got people, you know, a little bit, you know, because they don't they, they don't want to see they don't want to kill the pig. They just want to eat it. And I'm a hunter. You know what I'm saying? I want to see it. I want to enjoy it. I want to experience the whole thing. And you that's what I process. got. I want the whole process and the shebang. I want to have my cake and what? Eat it too. Eat it too. Have you seen the movie uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? I have not. I would strongly recommend watching that. It's, um, it was the, one of the first movies to come out where they had the serial killer being uh, this sympathetic. Where, mm. And it's it was a very low-budget film. I think it came out in 87 or 86, uh, starring the, the one guy that was that's in The Walking Dead as Henry. And just what's the name of it? Really Henry quick? Portrait of a Serial Killer. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. And Thank it's, you. it's um, horrific, very violent, and it... I think it might be what, something that's up your alley from basically what, what you said. Okay. What about uh, you, Maria? What did you think of Joker? Um, I thought it was fine. I appreciate the acting. Acting was great. I liked the setting. I liked the way it was shot. Um, but I don't really feel like it added too much to the story of the Joker, what I've already known about the Joker. Yeah, you know, the most interesting thing for me in this film was his mother's story, which was new, right? Not something we had really heard before. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it didn't really add too much to that Batman Joker canon for me outside I, of that. I can understand. Um, I feel like I'm on that page too. Like this is a fine movie. Like you said, the way it was shot, the acting and it all was superb, uh, in a sense. But when we talk about the storyline, the more I think about it, I just don't feel as if this is a Joker film. You know, like an origin, to even call it Joker. I'd rather have called it Arthur, in all honesty, when you really think about it, because that's the story of what we got. It was not to say typical, but it's nothing new or fresh to add to, like you said, the mythos of the Joker. I feel like when I, uh, when going back and watching it a second time, which, by the way, IMAX was the way to go. I don't know if here someone here at this table was able to get. Raphael, you saw it in IMAX, right? Yes. You would say like it's kind of. I, I, I loved it. I mean, the movie was great, so I can't. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any co- compliment you have about the movie, I agree. <laughs> right. So uh, definitely the way it was shot. But uh, watching it, I was thinking to myself, this probably was like one of those movies where, like, as they were doing it, um, oh, I'm pretty sure it's not how it went down, but this is just what it felt like. As they were doing it, they had like a solid. You know, script, you know, uh, it's going to be like a Scorsese Phil type of movie, which he was supposed to produce this, by the way. I don't know why he dropped out, but they had, I think it was like nine different producers already. Oh, really? Not only that, I think they shot this at the same time as the Irishman. Oh, oh okay, okay. I mean, the Irishman was, I mean, right. <laughs> that's going to be epic when it comes out. Can't wait. Check out Netflix. But um, it's supposed to be uh, produced, but it didn't. 
So towards the end of the process, you know, during editing, it's kind of like, oh, man, how do I market this for people to see it? And then maybe someone suggested, like, towards the end, uh, when he puts on the green hair, that's the closest thing to me is that uh, to the Joker is the green hair. Everything else is a fine beginning step. But someone was like, oh, well, well, this kind of looks like the Joker in a way. And then he could have just gone back and said, oh, okay, I can change this character to Thomas Wayne and do this and do that and, and call this place Gotham City. So you feel like they, they had the, the the idea for the story, but they retconned it all for the Joker and just... Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how it felt to me. Because thinking about this, the only reason we are talking about this film is because of the name of the movie. Thinking, well, think really well, hard me, about that. Well, also, look, when you say um, that this film, you know, it, it, it doesn't really show the origin of Joker, um, I want to know just why do you feel it doesn't show? What does it need to show? Like, what, are you, what did you, Baruch, need for this to be stamped, certified as a Joker film in your, in your eyes? Well, for one, you have to have uh, Batman mythos. In the film, what do you mean? Right? Like it has to feel like a Batman story. Well, not just not not. Let me uh, rephrase that. Not just like a Batman story, but it has to be like in the DC Comics era. A lot of people are saying, "Yeah, this doesn't really feel like a comic book film." It's probably because it wasn't originally supposed to be a comic book film. That's what I'm saying. Like they had to throw that in there because, unfortunately, the mass media today is more interested in seeing something that's called Joker than seeing the story of a sane man that turned into insane because this is realistic. This is what happens to people. This is what happens when a society beats yeah. someone up and they could turn into this. And with the Joker, it's well, like it, it's not enough to I, go. I, I get that, though. Like I get that, that yeah, it's, it's, it's not those things. But why does it have to be? Because that's how we will watch this movie. Think of it like this. If the movie did not have Joker, let's say it was called Arthur. He doesn't have the clown suit, but he still turns into something that's different than what he was at the beginning of the film. I would say take this to Netflix, try to market it there, and let's see how good it can become. So it didn't feel specifically like a DC Batman Oh, not movie. at all. You're yeah. saying going in so line with a previous movie? So it felt more like movie? kind of like a general. It could have been about anything. There's nothing it really specific. really could have. I, I do agree with that. I mean, the, the writer, other than the two people who created um, Batman, uh, was Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, who did mm-hmm. the Mod Squad, the movie back in the 90s, 8 Mile, The Fighter, which he got an Oscar nomination for. So he could have just been doing yet another story that was similar to Eight Mile and The Fighter, but just as a look on somebody who had mental disease and then became a criminal. All right. Which is kind of what, I mean, I, I do agree with that. It's very, very, very loosely based on The Killing Joke by Alan Moore, which is the reason mm-hmm. why they didn't really put that. I don't think it's in the credits, but The Killing Joke is drastically different than this story, whereas um, Arthur Fleck is... Uh, I believe he's a he's an engineer, and then his he gets fired, and then these criminals come to rob the place, and then they kidnap him, and then in the meantime, his wife gets killed. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, I, I never read it, but I think that's what happens. Oh, uh, it, it's something of that nature. He falls into remember. a vat trying to get away from Batman, and then his skin gets bleached, and mm-hmm. then he um, his hair turns green, and then that he's already insane from his wife being murdered with their pregnant yeah. child. And this one is now the laugh is coming out. It's yeah, just exactly. like blood coming out of his eyes. It's just like, yeah, that's, that's the Joker. It's, 
even like when you think of movies like The Dark Knight, that is a more realistic take on Batman. But yet you can still suspend your disbelief with that film and still feel as if you're watching a Batman movie, even though this is this feels like a Batman in Chicago easily. But I'm saying, but what makes it a Batman movie other than him wearing the suit and you know, creating a good story. I mean, because at the end of the day, comic books have these reimaginings and different stories and stuff like that. In my mind, when I look at it as a whole, I see a, okay, this is a body of work by humans who perceive their Superman or their Batman, their superhero, their villain, whatever it is, they perceive it and they all exist and I appreciate them all. I don't understand how this film um, is any different than, um, I mean, yeah, let's let's say that it's true that, you know, the, the, the creator of this film wanted to make a story and then may have put the Joker on it at the end. But from my perspective, when I was trying to create my Joker story, um, just from my own personal understanding, I I asked myself, who was Joker before he was this Joker who creates his own backstories in the moment anyway? You know what I mean? He creating these different ideas. Who was he really? So I I created my own. But when you look at the film, it's not even referencing the Joker or it's, it's my own serial killer film. But it right. was the imagining of what I saw the Joker as. Right. And that's what I'm saying. This is what he did, probably the exact same thing, but he knew in order to get people to see it, he has to put a big name on the project, and that's why he called it Joker. That's what I'm saying. If of you course. Took, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I mean, because that's not of that, a problem. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't for him, it's not a problem, but when I'm watching it, that's why I'm able to look past that. I'm able to look past the name and the costume and everything and just look at, like, it's a fine film, but it doesn't feel like the Joker because it just feels like some guy who goes from crazy to insane... At the end of it, he rises to power, I guess, by standing on a police car, but nothing about it feels like the arch nemesis of Batman. It does not feel like the clown prince of crime. Question. Uh, do you think my, do you think that at the end of that film that he could have become and still have developed into the Joker that you want him to be? Uh, he has a long way to go. But is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. So this I don't want to do this. Time. I don't want to say it's just possible. I want to have a definitive yes. Think about it. if you take off the uh, clown suit, if you take off the makeup, you can still find a way to integrate that he is still the symbol of what this city is becoming. You know, he doesn't have to have the clown suit or the makeup in order to get on that police car and rise up to power. He could have. It could have been anything else. It could have been a, a goblin costume for all I know. And then at the end, <laughs> you know, he's the main goblin. He's the green goblin, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it's just like it's not Joker. It, it, so I feel like uh, this movie was actually really made for people like Chris who are like not really into <laughs> comic book films that much, you know, which mm. is fine. Um, but they definitely were going for that kind of it's not really a comic book movie kind of feel. Um which is fine, yeah. but also it was just like, I don't really feel like this added so much to the story of the Joker. I'm like, oh, this was necessary. This was vital oh, to my yeah. understanding of right. the character. Um, you know, of course, we got to talk about Heath Ledger's Joker, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, 
I, I I didn't want to try to do that honestly because Heath let for one Heath Ledger's Joker is the Joker of Batman. Right. This just again does not feel like the Joker to me. It feels it's again it's a completely a, separate storyline. Yeah. Yes, it's a completely separate storyline. But uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, what I liked about him in particular was that when it came to his backstory, uh, he just told different stories. Right. His backstory didn't really matter because it's what about what's happening right now. And Which, he's utterly insane. Yeah. So I, of course he would come up with something else different. Which I will get the movie a point for that. It did actually try its best to keep it multiple choice in a way by giving different, uh, not exactly uh, flashbacks, but the scene with... Um, you know, Zazie Beats, which thank God that was fake because I mean, it didn't what? make any sense. It for the very minute sense. it began, I was like, "There's no way." Yeah, no way. What you say? You were stalking. <laughs> you me. I was the only one actually really liked that. I <laughs> oh was no, why? me too. Oh, no, you know, I was happy not. to see well, him being. I was, yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's sweet." There is. I was like, "There's no way that this single black mother in New York <laughs> in 1981 is going to be cool with this but guy see, stalking her all day and think, oh, he's so cute.' That's so true. Hold on, I don't disagree. I just want to point out what she said. In New York, she can't even say Gotham City right, because that's <laughs> literally what we saw. Just a movie that's on that type of nature. That's Scorsese. No, I felt film. like it was Gotham what? to me. No, it's, it's no, fine. I that straight up felt like that was New York City. Yeah, yeah, it was, that was really? New York no, it was identical me. to. Um, I mean, the biggest uh, reference that they used was um, Taxi tra- Driver, and I was like, totally. I totally felt that it was Travis Bickle turning into the Joker. Because it was, it was almost identical. No, he wouldn't turn into the Joker. He was just turning insane. That's yeah, was, the thing. But and since of course, we, at the end of Taxi Driver, whenever he shoots up all the, he kills all the pimps. It was very similar to when know, he uh, killed the talk show. Yeah, but it was uh, the comedian, exa- which I thought was, I mean, well, that was so amazing. That was that awesome. Just, I thought that was like in his head whenever he shoots him, because it's like I was like, there's no way he would shoot him on live. Uh, TV, yeah, but I was right. like, when he did that, I don't know because you were I in the theater like, there mm-hmm. with me. I don't know if you heard me clap. You did. Yeah, I was like. Hell yeah. <laughs> Love you're, it. That, you're that guy in the memes when they keep saying when someone laughs too hard at Joker and security <laughs> in the back. You're that guy. <laughs> but no, back, back to what you were saying. I do believe that, um, that yeah, a, a, a mom, a single mom in New York, you know, just that whole feel in reality, that wouldn't be true. But again, I'm watching a movie. So in my mind, in game, all that stuff, they people fly. So uh, you know, yeah. But this is not one of those kinds but, of but, movies. But since, since I'm so open minded in that sense, I was kind of taken. I was I wasn't trying to be de- trying to see if I was being deceived. I was ab- submerged in it. I think that was the point of the the scene is to be submerged in it. And so he got me. Well, it wouldn't be the first time of, there was a scene in a movie with a woman who did something that didn't make sense to me. Right, right. And it's when it's supposed to be grounded in reality. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like, this is fake, but it was more like, this would not happen. But, but you know what? I was with my wife and she literally said that. Like, yeah. <laughs> she was right there. She was like, no, this is, this, this is not real. Right. I'm like, I, in my mind, I'm thinking like she was just in the movie, just, you know, commenting on the movie. No, she was saying that that would, he must be yeah. dreaming. Because yeah. It's not the real. point where I was like, is this real? Is when he goes, uh, after he shoots the guys in the subway and he just opens the door to the apartment and they just start making out or whatever, I was like, wait a minute. Okay. That's, she, that's, she, she, that's I don't know part. about this. That, that was a little unbelievable, but yeah. it reminded me from uh, like Punch Drunk Love. That's what yeah, everybody think, remembers. Yeah. Like whenever he flies all the way to Hawaii to be with uh, Emily Blunt and then mm-hmm. they just he sees her and then they immediately start kissing, which is a beautiful moment in that I, movie. But that's immediately what I thought of and I was like, it's possible this could be, so, but no, the thing no. that kind of took it away, I thought it was cute and I wanted it to be real, but yeah, the thing I that, think that's why I got me. 
I did not, and it was happy that it was not. Oh. Yeah, I was really happy because the chemistry was not even there. Because then it could honesty. have added more to his insanity if she was been if she would have been like, uh, clearly no you're nuts. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and have been like, come she, on, she and her baby do not deserve. Well, that. well, well. All right. Well, so when you say the chemistry, you know, and it it didn't feel real. But even though it didn't feel real, I think that the the punchline is that you you supposed to still appreciate it because even it, it's not real. You know what I'm saying? It's like you find out you that know, it's really not real. Believe it or not, I thought that was the weakest part of the whole film. Every scene with her in it. Now it's nothing against the actress, nothing against her at all. It's just not only do I not believe this, but I'm so, I, my perception of this. Um, yeah. There's a perspective. I'm sick, guys. Perception and perspective is okay in my book. Totally cool. Um, but uh, the way I viewed it was she is supposed to be this guy that keeps him from going insane, right? Like, this is her, uh, this is his getaway. Mm-hmm. You know, like when things seem to be too rough or too hasty, she is the person that he can turn to, which is why this is all a fantasy. Right. And every scene that he was with her, I was like, I mean, they're not really doing anything that's you know, holding him back. They're just going for walks down the street, which granted, you know, maybe for some people that's all you really need to uh, stay away from the insanity part. But since I'm already not buying it and she's not really contributing that much except every single, seeing it a second time, I was like, oh my God, I definitely can't. The other thing that tipped me off is that uh, I don't think they ever say her name in the film. Sophie. Yeah, her name is Sophie, but I don't think they ever say it. So and then you never really learn anything about her throughout the movie, and I'm just like, what is really going on here? Look, when you say, when uh, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> when you say um, you didn't believe it, right? Mm-hmm. It seems to me that you thought that you were supposed to believe it, and that it didn't get you, so you're you're you, you know have a distaste. In my mind, it's it's like he's the psychopath, not you. So he believes it, and you see him. Obviously, even if you was in a, you know, if you was his counselor, and he was telling you this was happening, you could see that, you know. The, well, well no. it's the unreliable narrator. Yeah, you're you are supposed to believe that because we are going through his journey. We're supposed to be seeing what he sees. Think of it like the Sixth Sense. At the end of it, spoiler alert: Bruce Willis is a ghost the whole entire time. And I, be- I didn't know that. But when the twist came up, it wasn't like, oh, I didn't believe it for a second. It was like, oh, man. Right. No, that's a different yeah. movie. Oh. Yeah, but they both do this thing where they leave you little breadcrumbs and clues as to yeah, something they might not be quite right here. Right. And, and I think you know, that's Because you're supposed to always believe your main character. You always end up being kind of sympathetic to them because you're going through what they're going through. But they do leave these little crumbs that this is not quite right. Something is off. Something right. is not real here. I feel like he can. They can do both. They could leave the breadcrumbs, which they did, which is like the idea of like you never see her interact with anyone when when he, other than him in the movie. Um, but also the other part is that you can also step away from it and watch a story of a, a of a person with mental illness become this you know this this it's like almost like a serial killer in, in a sense. You know that's what I'm thinking. And no, so definitely a serial killer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. We saying. agree. Yeah, a serial. Yeah. You keep saying mental illness. You know, I see you trying to pay respects and stuff like that. But I also just want to throw it out so there. Right. I mean, I don't know. Every time we referred to it, it was a mental illness. A story about mental illness. In my mind, it was the story <laughs> about a serial killer. But um, what I'm saying is that you could also watch this film 
away from it because you're not because you're not him. You don't have those mental illness. You don't you don't have those issues. You see him in a very depressed state. You feel for him. Not yeah, you'd be submerged in it. But you you can also appreciate this movie. It's like oh yeah, from the first time I saw it, I knew that wasn't real. I knew that something was going on with him. This is what's going. Th- you you watching this go on with him. It's not supposed to make you oh shoot. I, I'm a serial killer too. I, I'm supposed to have believed that it's <laughs> no no. You know no. what I'm saying? Serial killers are right. sitting in the audience. Yeah. And like ah damn. <laughs> I see myself. <laughs> on screen for the first time. Yeah, and I was In supposed IMAX. to be- I was supposed to believe it. I was supposed to Actually, believe that was worth it. representation. <laughs> this 4K does it justice. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to add was what was interesting I found was some of the producers mm-hmm. uh, Walter Handa did the uh, Friday the 13th remake, Final Destination 4 and 5, Nightmare on Elm Street remake, Conjuring 1 and 2, wow. Annabelle. The Gallows, if anybody hasn't seen that, I strongly recommend if you want to watch a low-budget horror film. It's very well done. Lights Out. So he has this entire history of, of low-budget horror films. And then he started doing um, uh, superhero films with Aquaman. So wow. he did Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 1980, 1984, and then he's doing the Harley Quinn movie, Aquaman 2, and then Adam Strange. Oh, he is this. busy. Yeah, so, man. He's getting really horror and uh, superhero films. <laughs> well, but they chose him right also for it to be like DC films versus like a Marvel film. It kind of still fits within his niche. It is. And what, what's what's interesting um, by looking at his history is he only worked with James Wan. So then James Wan brought him on with Aquaman. So then they were like, Oh, so you know how to work on a budget because Joker was a $55 million budget, which is not really much compared to other period pieces too. You know. Exactly. So they were like, okay, why don't you show us what you can do? And he's like, hot damn, I got this. So I thought it was interesting. And it also has to do with the violence that's in it. Mm-hmm. The violence is more impactful. The look of it. The look of it. Everything. Everything is so gritty. Well, that's, I just thought that was incredible to look at. Also, one of the other producers, Bruce Berman, did Deep Blue Sea. Hey. Wow. And uh, Training Day and Mad Max Fury Road. Um, it's interesting that you uh, brought up the violence. That's something else I wanted to ask y'all. What did y'all think about the violent controversy in this film? Like, there's there's one article saying, you know, parents are taking kids out of their theater because this movie is too violent for them. And first thing that came to my mind was, it's rated R. A. <laughs> B. Deadpool. Uh... <laughs> See, what? Like, why would you take a kid to see this? Why, why would you take a child to see a rated R film? I hear a true yeah. story. Whenever, uh, whenever the Omen remake came out in 2006, I remember there was a small family in front of me when I was watching it. I was like, why would you ever take your child to see the Omen? I know, right? Um, <laughs> what, about the violence, I truly believe that um, it wasn't... It, it, I, I understand a parent's concern and all that good stuff because it fit the movie was done well. It right. was to me, in my opinion, it was very grounded. So when a grounded movie show violence, it's a little bit different than a movie that we know is based in this fictitious world. Right. It's not this fantastical kind of violence. It's right. not like a kill bill kind of violence. Yeah, it's or John Wick. Or it's not even like an Avengers kind of violence where there's it's bloodless for the most part. This right. is very like dirty and gritty and you know, it looks very realistic. It looks frightening, you know. It feels frightening. Yeah, as yeah. It that is, be. is, I mean, is as, right, that's exactly what they're going for, and they definitely achieve it. So I would not recommend this movie for children. Right. <laughs> because the the director knew what they were doing. 
Because you can't really suspend your disbelief so much on this film compared to other movies such yes. as the violent Avengers or John Wick, yes. which is every second of yeah, violent yeah. action. Yeah, yeah, Todd Phillips actually compared the violence in John Wick to this by saying like that's similar to what you said. Like it's glamorized and you just kind of wash it away. Like mm-hmm. you know, fifty dudes just get smoked and you're like, oh, ha ha, ha go John Wick. Hmm. And you're like, but in this, it's like the guy gets gets his head shot right on screen. Right. And you're like. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Like, like, I think it also has something, something to do with the genre. Like, action films get a pass for being violent. Um, when you have a, a film about mental illness, you know, this like drama, you know what I'm saying? When it has violence, it also, it kind of influences, or in, at least in their minds, it influences a little bit more than, um, than if you can change the genre. We know comedies are um, are funny, so you can may do some killing in that too and can get away with it, you know what I'm saying? But when you're in the genre of like drama or even in like a if you try to do like a biopic or, you know, something that shows reality, you don't want to you want to stay away from as much violence as you can because that's what's not going to get you. That's what's going to make it controversial. I did appreciate in the film how they you know, they have him mentally ill, which is like, okay, again, another mentally ill person being violent on screen. All right, we get it. Yeah. But they do try to show that it's also his support system kind of failing because, you know, mm. his program with his counselor and his medications just disappear and dry up. And that does show a big factor. Like when I watched it again for a second time, like you can see his meds running out right before he has that confrontation on the train. Um, right before he starts having all these hallucinations with Zazie's character, Sophie, is right after his medications run out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's mm-hmm. just like I don't, I don't. Everybody I know has some kind of mental illness or some kind of brush with depression or anxiety or whatever. So it's just like, okay, I get it. Spe- but I did appreciate that social uh, safety network. Speaking of the train, did you hear about the uh, the extras on? Did you hear about that, Chris? The extras no. on set with the train. So apparently, uh, while they were shooting, um, they would not let the extras get off the train. The scene where um, all the clowns uh, towards the end when Joker it was becoming Joker. And oh, with that super extra packed train. Yes. Oh. And they would not let the extras get off while filming it, and because they um, I, either they had to shoot while the train was going, and they were like inside, or I I, I don't know why, but um, they wouldn't let the extras get off. So they literally started. Using the bathroom on the train. <laughs> Gross. They and it got to the point to where uh, one of the extras called SAG. Oh, SAG represented. Yeah, Morrison. I would and definitely call shot. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had to come in over uh, see the rest of the film after that. But wow, was, um, that's crazy. They were they were shooting while the train was moving. I don't know uh, what exactly was going on with that I mean, one. It, it is a kind of a low. I mean, low budget can, as far as a comic book movie goes. But that seems extremely dangerous to do that. No. And not only that, but you Sarah would just Jones. Put, Put it on a uh, a rig, and you could just you know make it move. Yeah, right. Look like it's moving. It doesn't have to actually be going through. That's what we did with flight. We didn't actually blow up a plane. Right. Right. I don't know uh, exactly how that went down. But yeah, that's that's fairly interesting. I wonder why they wouldn't do that. But I mean, they would normally like. I mean, because I run background all the time. We'd absolutely let your background go to the bathroom. That's ridiculous. Um. What else do you have on that piece of paper of yours, Chris? <laughs> Chris actually um, brings notes because he's a professional. He is. Uh, some some interesting things I, I found about this was uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, but uh, Joaquin Phoenix um, he went by Leaf 
for a very early part of his life. In case anyone knew that, a lot of his early roles is known as Leaf Phoenix. But then he wanted he went back to Joaquin Leaf because uh, his brother River, his sister Summer, mm-hmm. and the, the, the whole the whole clan is named you know different uh, weather and seasons exactly. And he was the only one that had a regular name, so he <laughs> wanted to. He was um, four years old, and his father saw him raking leaves, and he was like, "You know what, son? Your name is Leaf." All right. And he was like, "Great." He went by that for like twenty years, I think. Uh, to uh, clarify that story earlier, it is reported that the extras were denied their break after two hours of work and started beginning beginning to bang on the subway doors asking to be let out, but that they were kept inside and eventually started uh, relieving themselves on the tracks, to say the yeah, least. Uh-huh. That's, that's a big problem. Wait, that's you said two hours? Uh, yes. Yeah, but if you're in between camera setups and then they, the they AD still let says, some, yeah, somebody really have to go. Yeah, do that. Not yeah. unless if I mean, anybody needs to go, then they just need to go. We don't need yeah. to hold people. No, this, this isn't the mm-hmm. early '80s. Oh, this it was is only the me. early '80s. Actually, yeah, yeah, I'm like, where's this going? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. So again, one of the uh, extras after that day complained to SAG uh, representative and representative, <laughs> and I'm sick, guys. And uh, yeah, they came and oversee the film to the end of the shoot. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so just think about that every time you watch that scene now. Like, damn, I know at least 14 of these people had to use the bathroom. As they're, that's probably why they're beating up the cops. It's probably uh, one of the... Uh, it had to be so like, hot in there, all those people. <laughs> Claustrophobia too. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, someone could sue for that one. But uh, yeah. And what, uh, what else, Chris? Um, awesome. Well, oh, oh. Uh, I found that a lot of the producers and the, the different people that were the cinematographer um, and the editor and production designer all worked with Todd Phillips routinely. For, um, for instance, they've all most of them did all the Hangover movies. Uh, the cinematographer, who was Lawrence Scher, uh, he started off on Garden State. That was his first big movie. Mm-hmm. If you could call that a big movie, that's still a uh, low-budget movie. Yeah, that's kind of indie. And he went on to Club Dread, which is one of my personal favorite films. Um, Dan in Real Life. They did all the mm. Hangover movies. They did Due Date, War Dogs. Wait. And then Todd Phillips directed Dan in Real Life? No, he did not. Okay. Um, I forget who actually did direct that. Uh, but Todd Phillips started out doing documentaries if anybody didn't. And then he, the uh, first movie he did was Hated, which was about Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, which followed uh, Gigi Allen. Um, Right up until he died of an overdose, if anybody knows anything about his history. Mm-hmm. He was like a shock rocker from the 70s until 1992, I believe, whenever he eventually... It's rumored that he purposely committed suicide, but who knows. Um, he uh, he was filled up with so much drugs, he just kind of... But that's what his first movie was, a documentary following him. If you actually watch, uh, I think it was I think it was an episode of um, Jerry Springer. Uh, young Todd Phillips is in the crowd recording. Wow. While while uh, Gigi Allen is on stage doing his thing. Did you also know about uh, Bradley Cooper, how he produced this film? I did. And Todd Phillips produced Star is Born, exactly. which I, I was thinking about that too. Like, do you think that was like a deal that they made? Like, hey, I look, think it I, was. Got, I got a remake of a, of a movie and he's like, all right, fine. I'll produce that for you. Uh, if you will produce my um, Joker movie. He's like, uh, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. So I think Bradley a- won in that one though. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Uh, there's a uh, couple, well, there's one theory anyway that pretty much the whole movie is imagined by Joker. Like he's just hallucinating mm. the whole so the He's whole like thing. stuck in the, still in the. Right, the, he's still in the asylum this whole time. That'd be interesting. Yeah. 
I was about to ask you guys, what did you think of the ending? Because adding that scene with him in the asylum really puts a lot of different perspective of the film. At least uh, to me it does. Because he doesn't even have his hair anymore. Well, I mean, it's not green anymore is what I'm saying. So it's it's undetermined how long he was in the asylum after uh, the scene before that. So it's many things. Uh, like you said, he uh, could have imagined the whole thing. Um, but then the scene where he cuts to uh, Bruce... Uh, with the parents in the alley, uh, there was one person that said that maybe he's laughing because, granted, he doesn't know that he's going to be Batman, but it's very ironic that uh, these two people um, are born from anarchy in such a way. Like, they're kind of born at the same time. I do like how um, they have one creates the other kind of thing going on here. Particularly with the whole Martha, Martha, not Martha, Lord Jesus, but with his mother <laughs> and uh, Thomas Wayne having an affair and Thomas Wayne possibly being his father. I believe Thomas Wayne is his father and he did have an affair with his mother, even though they tried to paint his mother as somehow being also mentally ill. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Thomas Wayne is this huge billionaire and she's working in his house and she suddenly adopts a baby for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, this single woman, uh, you know, the, the headlines also when they're going over her story and how, you know, they found her and him abused in, uh, in their apartment were like, uh, mother lets abuse her, blah, blah, blah. It's like that doesn't what 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 is this headline? Even if she was uh, mentally ill, it just sounds like a, a situation Thomas Wayne would have taken advantage yes, of based yeah. on who he is in this film. Because I did laugh once in this movie uh, where they're talking about the men that he shot on the train and they're interviewing Thomas Wayne about it. And he was like, Oh, I'm, they were upstanding men, you know, at my company, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I never met them, but I, was, I started laughing. Cause I was like, of course you just I, assume. I thought the funniest part in the film was uh, the guy that was doing the joke about the car before uh, Arthur took the stage. If y'all remember that he was talking about uh, the cars no, no, I don't no, remember no. the joke. I mean, you've, you've I seen remember. it twice. He was talking about how it's like dating, right? Yeah, like dating a, a guy. You know, a woman thinks this is a lifelong term. And the guy's like, I'm just trying to find somewhere to park. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's a handicapped spot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even at the end of the movie, you have that picture that Arthur has of his mother. And on the back, it says, I always loved your smile or something like that. Yeah. Um, T.W. Thomas Wayne. I'm just mm-hmm. like, it absolutely happened. Which is why, again... She even mentions at some point that she had to sign some sort of papers to not talk about this. And we never see anything from her that shows that she has any kind of mental illness or troubles or something like that. Mm -hmm. She seems pretty on the level of the whole film. Yeah, up until, you know, he almost like confronts Thomas Wayne. And then it's like, right. she's like, oh my God. Like, she's no, just very upset. Right, right. Yeah. But we don't see any, yeah. she's not having any visions or anything like that. We're not seeing that narcissism that she, they say that she has, you know. So it's just like, it seems very yeah. possible, if not 100% true, that that's exactly what occurred. What what if, what if the ending, right, when we talk about him in the um, psych ward, mm-hmm. what if he has been caught by Batman, right? And he is in the asylum asylum because of that. And then he's thinking back. This whole movie is him thinking back about his story 
and his nemesis. And he was laughing because of the irony of being caught by the person who he created. That's a bit of a stretch, but that does go to the uh, the beauty of it being artist uh, subjective. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it can it really could be whatever we want it to be, and that is something I give credit for. This movie, the beauty of it, is still quote unquote multiple choice. You know, maybe Thomas Wayne is his uh, father, maybe he's not. We really don't know the answer. Yes, <laughs> unless except Maria. Maria knows the answer. I do. But um, yeah, I, I do appreciate that aspect, and I think that is a great line to finish the film. You wouldn't get it throughout this whole entire process of us, you know, going in depth of his mind and you know the analysis and the process to see him get to the end of the film. I can say that that would be a very beautiful and tasteful ending to, to end it there. But it also, again, it would have to, it may have been a studio or someone having to push the, the asylum on at the end, maybe because it didn't show enough of, you know, of a joker. You know what I mean? So they maybe had to add that at the end. And it, it, it didn't take away from anything, in my opinion. I think that um, uh, it was still dope with it. It's just, you know, yeah, it's not needed. But if it's a joker movie, why not? At least for those few seconds. I mean, it doesn't hurt. Uh, do you guys think we'll get a sequel? No. I really hope not. Uh, well, Todd Phillips uh, said that this was meant to be the first of um, however many DC wants to make of standalone films. Mm-hmm. So they were going to be separate films, separate films that um, just are their own thing. So I, I don't, if they do, I don't want one. Um, I, per, I personally don't think they will make one. But um, they they just want to. Um, Todd Phillips had said that DC just wants to make these separate films. But uh, to bring it back to the Joker and who he is, Todd Phillips has described Arthur because he kind of more or less created this uh, character. Uh, he, he referred. He said that he was. He called him a guy who was searching for identity, who mistakenly becomes a symbol. His goal is to make people laugh and bring joy to the world. So in his mind, this is what he's doing because everybody is well. I mean, if everybody everybody is kind of happy because they're overtaking, or I guess how you would, um, how like what Aerosmith's saying, eat the rich, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. That's what the end of it is. They killed the richest person in Gotham. So they're doing what they want. And now he makes, it's making him happy. And he's like, look, everybody's happy. Yeah, I do wish they explored his nihilism a little bit more. Because uh, because of the events surrounding like everything that's happening in Gotham, right? The whole eat the rich thing. A lot of people are like, "Oh, he's the symbol of that." No, he's not. He does not really care who you're killing. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter to him. Nothing matters. To or him. does he? He doesn't. He's a come on. This he's, is no, no, no. where's the fact on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but he even says so. He's like, "I'm not tied to any political. This is not political." Um, Todd Phillips actually wrote that line in there specifically because he didn't want to have this movie be wrapped up in anything political Mm -hmm. because he didn't want people to watch this movie and go, oh, well, this is talking about Donald Trump. And he's like, no, it's not. He wanted That's why he very specifically put that line in there. Mm -hmm. I do see a lot of people still even in their ears like, oh, you know, he's Joker's for the people. No, he's not for the people. Joker is for Joker. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if you die smiling, he'll be fine about that. (laughs) Um. If you had to give it a rating, Chris, uh, out of 10, what would you give it? 
Uh, well, on IMDb, I gave it an eight, so I stick with that. Yeah, it was a very solid film. I loved how it was raw and realistic as opposed to glamorizing anything. So that's that's what I'm sticking with is an eight, eight out of ten. Okay. Um, what about you, Raphael? 8.7. You just got to be that guy. People almost slap you out <laughs> That's a nine. That, it pretty much pretty, is. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much yeah. a nine. Yeah, you know what? I'll yeah. give it a nine. Way to be a one-upper. Like, I'll be... I'll be that one student that looks at the teacher like, did you really just give me 8.7 out of 10? Like, just please. Well, 87. You know, it's like 87. But give me the 90. I'm trying to pass. <laughs> because it really, to me, I think the, the number one thing about this movie that really got me is that how it felt like something I would create. It felt like something I would watch. It, it was um, an imagining of a character I love. And it was, um, it was brought he brought the shits. He he came with it. He didn't, you know, water it down and make this other film. He he. Only thing I didn't like about. It, I'm not really a big fan of um, certain period pieces, especially when it comes to um, to uh, this in the city. I'm not really. I don't really like them. Like that's the only part I didn't like about the Notebook. But um, yeah, I, I love good that story. That was the only part. <laughs> Come, man, just just wow. say what's on your mind. Well, it's I think okay. the reason why they also had, I think, because I have an issue with that one of my scripts, that I think the reason why they had to also put it in that time is because it's about a story about an older person. So in the book, you know, it's just kind of like it has to be that way in order for that story to work. But um, so at some point, there's going to be a period of time that is not present for that type of story. So um, I get that they they have to do that in order to make the story. But the story in itself, I liked it. But same way with this film. So, Yeah. What about you, Maria? I would say a six. I yeah. feel that it is. It is solid, <laughs> as you said. The performances are good. Um, I, I just don't feel like it was necessary. It didn't really add anything for me. I don't really feel like I learned too much new that was worth the whole movie. Right, and it's because we're looking at it from a Joker perspective. Right, if, from if, a Batman world. Right. If this was called Arthur, how would you feel? There's nothing about Joker. The t- the the names are different. They're they're uh, regular characters. How how would you feel about the movie then? I would still wonder why it was made. What if it was on Netflix? I would probably switch. Like <laughs> what? A, I mean, like thinking of movies like um, what happened to Monday. Like a, you know that mm-hmm. kind of type of movie, um, is that necessary or did you like it? I didn't see that one, but dang, I, yeah, I can't even use it. Uh, I haven't if, seen a lot of movies, you guys. What if what if in a uh, hypothetical film mm-hmm. we had Ma <laughs> squaring off with Arthur Fleck? Uh, yeah, I'd burn now, that. Yeah, I would watch that movie. My tires would burst into flames. How fast I would go to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be. I would watch that. I would I'd pay a dollar that. for that. Yeah. A dollar. <laughs> a dollar. <laughs> a dollar. Got, a dollar dude, all the time. I'll pay a dollar for that. Got an Andrew Jackson with your name on it, man. I'm going. <laughs> oh my god. What about you, Baru? What do you give it? What do you rate it? Um, I I do a six point five. Six point. Yeah, I'll be between. Yeah, six and a seven that's because an 8. 7. What is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> because it's like when six you think, and three quarters, <laughs> but not that eight point seven. Nah, we get that out. We don't do decimals. <laughs> but um, the, the reason because on Rotten Tomatoes, this also is like sixty eight or sixty nine percent. Sixty eight, yeah. But it's still certified fresh. It is. What is their what is their cutoff? Because I've seen things that are like fifty percent, and it's like fresh. And I'm like, anything? How is that possible? It must be out of the number of reviews as, a, as well. <laughs> 
Now, anything that's under 59 is rotten. It's only 60 and above. I, I don't know exactly how that works either because 60 and above is either fresh or certified fresh. You know, fresh is just a tomato. Certified fresh is like the yellow circle around the tomato. I don't know how that works. But looking at this, it, I am uh, wondering, like, is it a 68 or 69? Because, like you said, it's called the Joker. But you leave like, yeah, I was... I was entertained, but I didn't get anything of the Joker mm-hmm. essentially out of this, you know, and that's what I feel. Did I enjoy a lot of other aspects of it? Oh, yes. This is something I haven't seen in a minute, in all honesty, and that of itself is refreshing. But because the name Joker is on it and I did not get really Joker from it or as much Joker as they kind of marketed it out to be, like even in the trailer when they said, when you bring me out, can you bring me out as jokers? Like you should have left that out the trailer, honestly, because now I'm looking at this movie like I'm that's gonna be the middle of the film or something. Like I'm getting yeah. a lot more of that. But it was just the last fifteen minutes and yeah, we're not the gonna last get... fifteen minutes were really great. And I think, you know, going back to your question, had this just been not about the Joker, been just about Arthur, mm. I think I would have seen it and been like, Well, Scorsese's gonna do a film soon, so I can skip this. So mm. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm really looking forward to that to the Irishman. Uh, did everybody see the SNL skit of uh, of uh, where they take on the Joker, but they do it as uh, uh, the garbage guy, <laughs> Oscar the Grouch? <laughs> no, but that sounds that funny. sounds really good. Yes, you should definitely check out that skit of SNL doing Oscar the Grouch in a Joker style movie fashion. Um, I was going to add, uh, given the the movie is raw and every and how it feels and whatnot, that's very Scott Silver's way of writing writing style. Um, the next two movies that he's coming out, he's doing two biopics. One's going to be on Hulk Hogan, and the other one's going to be about Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Ooh. So I'm looking forward to a Jimi Hendrix movie that's not terrible. I don't care what anybody says with about Love is All Around Me. That was a god-awful film. Was that the one with Andre 3000? Yes. yes. I've that never was, seen it. He's like 45. I haven't seen it either. He mm. was like, because everybody's like, he's perfect. I'm like, I agree. He would have been perfect in 1995. <laughs> They're like, but he looks just like him. Yes. If Jimmy had made it to forties, mm-hmm. yes, he would have been perfect. But they didn't. And another issue with that movie was they didn't. They didn't get any licensing to any of his music. Ooh. Oh so wow! How do you make a Jimi Hendrix you, movie wow. without yeah. Jimi Hendrix music? So they have him playing nondescript sixties rock. So Ooh. it takes place before he goes to London, which is whenever his career really did take off. But it's like. I don't really, you know what I mean? Like, how, yeah. do you, how do you, it's like, no, I don't want to hear him playing the Nashville teens. Like, sorry. I mean, I like the Nashville teens, but I'm just you saying. You want right. to hear him playing Jimi Hendrix? I want to hear him playing, yeah. I want to hear him playing Jimi Hendrix music. But, well, but I, I think that would be an interesting. Also, the Hulk Hogan movie, I think, would be fairly interesting uh, to, to uh, check out. Um, one quick thing was that the, uh, the, the makeup for the Joker was specifically modeled after Wayne Gacy. Oh God! Which was why probably a lot of people didn't really like that, mm. and they were that was outlawed ever since Wayne Gacy. All professional clowns, ever since professional clowns, um, ever since Wayne Gacy and his terror. Um, after that, that type of makeup has been outlawed by clowns. Wow! So before that, it was like game on, but they specifically gave him that look to create to that feeling. That John Wayne Gacy, That's exactly. Like, wow. Okay. So that would explain why when people watch it, they go, Ugh, and they see him because you're supposed to. Yeah, and it's not something most people have probably seen. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix said at a Venice Film Festival, of, and they showcased this movie, he said that the movie is open to whether or not Joker is going to be a villain or a hero. 
So it all kind of depends on how you see him because he is a villain in the in the historical sense of the Batman, but we see him as kind of a hero. Or anti-hero, to say the least. So is he going to be like a Robin Hood type of character? Because mm. he, he can't I don't think be. so. I don't, I don't see him, you know, deciding to give anything to anyone just because he thinks it's fair. He does have his own internal logic, but I don't think that's going to be part of it. Yeah, he's so like absorbed into his own world. He's not, I don't think he's thinking about any kind of bigger picture. Mm. All right. Well, I think that's, um, that's a good note to uh, wrap out Joker. Um, I want to thank you guys again for coming to talk about it with me. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram, CLK264. Um, I also do a, a podcast uh, with my friend Mark, Mark Hoffmeyer, Movies, Films, and Flicks. And I also do my uh, own short horror films. I'm currently writing my newest one, which is about a, a group of Elvis impersonators that accidentally resurrect the devil. <laughs> i buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, what about you, Raphael? Where can we find you? Well, you can find me in St. Louis. I mean, um, uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's at a film director. It's simple. A film director. Breathe. Yes. And when you know when you get on there, just definitely hit me up because I am a friendly person. And if you have any uh, advice or need any advice, let's talk. Hit me up. All right. What about you, Maria? Uh, mine's a little less simple, um, but you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Valar More Dollars. That's V A L A R M O R Dollars. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. And you guys can find me on Instagram as well. As well. Um, I'm under I'm the filmmaker currently. And uh, guys, I want to know what you thought about Joker. Um, is there anything we didn't tackle that you wish we could have talked about? Uh, is there a perspective that you know uh, neither of us thought of that's like, oh, that, that's a little interesting? Or did you enjoy the movie whatsoever? Whatever it is, let us know in the comment section. And guys, thank you again for listening to Movies on Our Minds, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Peace. <laughs>